Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Hello and welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour. I'm Dr. Mystery, your host, board-certified urologist and consummate professional, here with my <laughs> co-host, Donna Lee. That's right. I'm always professional as well on Monday and Tuesdays. You know, uh, despite what's going on in the community uh, related to the COVID-19 crisis, some things haven't taken a back seat. Mm-mm. Speaking of seat, well, no, there's no, no segue. No, there's no Sorry. segue for that. In this case, kidney stones. Kidney stones still are occurring, and they're still driving people to the emergency room. It's the main reason that we are having to go to the emergency room to treat patients. I know. It's terrible. It's about to be kidney stone season, isn't it? It is. Like it's hot. It is. Under better circumstances, we would be celebrating a urology Christmas. Right. Which is when <laughs> the dehydration and heat that, that accompanies summertime leads to an increased formation of stones and thus leads to tremendous ER visits, lots of ER calls, and then, of course, lots of patients seen in the clinic mm-hmm. for kidney stones. You know, I have a funny story about kidney stones in our family. Uh, my husband has a pretty unique Italian last name, not McBride. Uh, his brother was seen at the Lakeway Hospital, mm-hmm. same last name, for kidney stones. Yes. And then the ER doctor, like, we were making fun of him, telling him what a pussy was for having kidney stones, just giving him crap about being so weak that he had kidney stones. <laughs> and then a week later, my husband had kidney stones, ended up at the same ER with the same doctor, and the guy was like, I'm going to break every HIPAA law, but I'm imagining y'all are related. <laughs> so now I think it's genetics. <laughs> That's very funny. I like that. that we drink the same water because we're in the same neighborhood. It's Is not that e- it? It's not, even, it's not even the funniest story of that stone. Of course, he got married. <laughs> Right afterwards, and I had to take care of his kidney stone. In Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. You know, that raises an interesting question on whether or not there's a genetic basis for kidney stone formation. When you acutely have a stone and have pain, you may or may not need surgery for it depending on the size, the location, the degree of obstruction, the amount of pain, or whether or not it's associated with a fever. But that's the immediate aftermath. So there's sometimes surgery required, whether it be invasive or non-invasive using ultrasound and shockwave. Sometimes stents and other kind of prosthetic type drainage devices are necessary. And then once you recover from that, where where is your urologist pointing you towards? Are they doing additional tests to determine what changes in your life or lifestyle you might need to make that are going to help you from getting stones? I hear every day from patients coming up with old wives' tales kind of ideas of why their stones formed or what, what they should what do they? about it. You know, sometimes they'll talk about putting a little bit of lemon in your water or that I drink too many Diet Cokes or that it's the hard water that I'm drinking. Mm. And these are, they may have a, a like a glimmer of truth, but not necessarily the truth about what's going on with you. A little bit of lemon in your water is not going to give you the citrate you need to dramatically reduce your stone formation. Whether or not Diet Cokes or uh, any type of sodas are the main cause of your uh, of, of your stone formation, we can find out using testing. And there's no real difference that Diet Cake Coke versus regular Coke would have any other difference hmm. on stone formation. I know somebody who drinks too many Diet Cokes. Well, you know. He's in this room, well, six feet away. You know, six feet, safe distance. <laughs> I can still throw a stapler at you. <laughs> And then the issue of hard water. So even if you have lots of calcium deposits in your in the water that's being uh, circulating th- uh, through your house, the likelihood that that calcium that you're in consuming by liquid is then contributing to calcium stone formation is very low. In fact, our bodies have an amazing mechanism of, of modifying how much calcium our gut absorbs. So that's less likely. Instead of kind of haphazardly throwing darts at the board, wondering what is the cause of stone formation, really it would be in your best interest, especially if you're a recurrent stone former, to go through a formal 
24-hour urine and blood collection type analysis in which we can very, very accurately pinpoint what is it about your metabolism that's leading to stone formation. Even if you don't have a stone that we can analyze for its composition, it's okay. That 24-hour uh, urine testing is something covered by insurance and can give us a wealth of information, including the amount of hydration that you need to be considered uh, at low risk for stone formation, whether or not you have enough of the stone-busting chemicals that we like to see in the urine, citrate and magnesium, whether or not you are at risk for calcium oxalate formation, calcium phosphate formation, uric acid formation. These are all different types of stones. A wealth of information. And it's not just that you're going to be put on some kind of highly restrictive diet. Most of the times, just a small reduction in the, in the intake of sodium or the intake of certain types of chemicals called oxalates or certain types of animal proteins, just small amounts, 10, 20, 30% reductions can make a dramatic difference on your stone formation risk. And then we have Robert Mendiola, our registered dietitian right here in the office that's armed and ready to give you advice on exactly what you need to change. Mm -hmm. We also have something called KSP tabs. That's right. KSP tabs were invented by a urologist. They have very high amounts of citrate and magnesium, and we give them to all of our patients that are recurrent stone formers. It's one of the things that you can do that gets a very dramatic difference in the amount of uh, stone-busting agents that are in the urine, and it works from the very first tablet. That's amazing. I'd hear um, women always talking, or patients always talking about how the kidney stone pain was more than childbirth, natural childbirth. Well, I'm never going to get to experience that. <laughs> so but, I know uh, it must be bad for you guys because y'all can't <laughs> handle pain like the women can. That's for sure. Another interesting thing that I hear a lot from patients is that they're surprised that small stones cause pain uh, mm -hmm. That's different than what big stones cause. I'll hear it all the time. Well, I, I can't believe that that stone caused me so much pain. It's only two or three millimeters. When in fact, the size of the stone and the amount of pain have no relationship to one another. Size does oh, not matter. It doesn't matter here? Apparently not here. It's not what she said. And that's right. Sometimes really, really, really large stones can cause a silent obstruction and you not have any pain at all. And those are and many times the scariest kinds of stones. Recently this week, uh, we had a patient who had a six millimeter stone that I'm convinced has been there since November because he had pain in November, it went away, and then all of a sudden he had pain and bleeding again here five months later. And he was surprised that it could be the same stone. But, you know, if you have had a stone that caused pain, was identified on x-ray, and you didn't see it pass, and you've been having atypical symptoms like urinary urgency or frequency or intermittent bleeding in the urine, then it's very likely that, that stone is still there and you, you will need to get evaluated again. Speaking of stone there, uh, we had a perfect question, perfect timing. This gentleman sent in, I've had a kidney stone with no symptoms for the last four years. Would you recommend it, if it's not bothering me, to just hope that it never moves? They've tried to blast it with sound, but were unsuccessful. I'm wondering what my chances are that it will ever dislodge. That's a great question. So sometimes calcifications that we see in the kidney that don't respond to shockwave lithotripsy are really not kidney stones at all. They're just little bitty concretions of stone fragments on some of the internal anatomy of the kidney. In such a case, taking care of it has no value. Hmm. But if it's pretty clear that it's a free-flowing kidney stone, then there is a chance, probably somewhere in the you know 20 to 30% chance that it could move at some point and start traversing the tube, causing pain. Is and, it and typical, though, to sit there that long? Four years? That's it sure can. Time. It sure can. So wow. when we have that, if you if you you've already had it attempted to be treated once, I don't usually recommend going again for another shockwave. But what I do try to do is do the testing and the changes to keep that stone from getting any bigger because that stone is a crystal. It's going to be a certain size. And if the 
urine chemistry remains abnormal. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the bigger it gets, the more problem it's going to be to take care of it ultimately when it when it does decide to move. But another interesting thing that I do and have been doing for about 13 years is something called a positional therapy. So if the stone didn't come out because it's lying at the bottom of the kidney, the kidney is like a, like a tub of water. And if it's at the, at the bottom of the kidney, it may not come out unless you kind of invert yourself. And so a lot of times uh, what we will do is have patients do a type of inversion therapy after shockwave to try to get these little fragments out of them. But if you have a stone that's asymptomatic, that's less than four millimeters, then doing nothing about it, I think, is a pretty reasonable approach, except for the nutritional changes to keep it from getting bigger. But if it's bigger than that, if it's a 7, 8, 10 millimeter stone, then really what you're at major risk for is the is the stone causing blockage, potentially in a silent way. If you've had more than one shockwave, I certainly wouldn't consider doing another one. But if you have a large 10 millimeter stone or an 8 millimeter stone in the kidney, then I would consider being seen and potentially having what's called a ureteroscopy, where we put the tube all the way up your tube uh, into the kidney <laughs> and use a little laser beam with direct visualization to, to treat it. Especially if you're at any higher risk, if you have diabetes, if you have anything that immunocompromises you, a uh, predilection for urinary tract infections, if you have um, uh, a solitary kidney, any history of any type of cancer, all of these things make suffering from a kidney stone even more dangerous for you any pre-existing kidney damage. And so for all those reasons, sometimes prophylactically taking care of these stones is in your best interest. Mm -hmm. What a great question, Donna. That was a good question. I so love our you. listeners. I know. I'm going to respond back to him to make sure that um, we get on the same page with him. And my favorite Friends episode is about kidney stones, so Google that. <laughs> Google Friends, a kidney stone scene. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for a great show, Donna. Yeah, thank you. That was fun. You can reach us during the week at 512-238-0762. Email us these amazing questions so we can get them answered and you can have a free consultation with Dr. Mystery every weekend. Armormenshealth at gmail.com. Our website's armormenshealth.com. Have a great rest of your day. The Armor Men's Health Hour is brought to you by Urology Specialists of Austin. For questions or to schedule an appointment, please call 512-238-0762 or online at armormenshealth.com. 